Chapters twenty five and twenty six of Her Mother's Secret. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget Gage. Chapter twenty five. The guest shocks her host. Mrs. Force turned pale as death while she read the note. When she finished it, she stooped forward and dropped it into the red heart of the coal fire. Then, averting her head, that no one might see the blanching of her face, she said, in a tone of enforced calmness, to the waiting servant, "'Tell the messenger that there is no answer.' The servant bowed and withdrew. "'What is it, dear?' inquired Abel Force. "'Nothing that needs attention to-night,' she replied, with assumed indifference. And Abel Force, thinking it to be some little domestic matter that might not be discussed before a stranger, and perfectly unsuspicious of anything secret or serious, thinking no evil, dropped the subject then and there, and forgot. "'Ah! Yah! I never was so tired and sleepy in all my life before,' cried Mrs. Anglesea, throwing herself back in her chair, and stretching her mouth and limbs with a tremendous yawn. "'No doubt you are, madame. You have had a most fatiguing day. Permit me,' said Mr. Force, and he lighted a wax taper and put it in her hand. "'And what on earth am I to do with this, old man?' she demanded, between two gapes. "'It is to light you to your room,' said Mrs. Force, answering for her dismayed husband. "'Can you find your way, or shall I see you to the door?' "'Is it that fine room, fixed up with maplewood and blue calico, where the gals took me to take off my bonnet and wash my face and hands?' "'Yes, it is the same. Shall I show you the way?' "'Lord, no, oman, I ain't a baby. But I reckon you may toss me in a nightgown and nightcap before you go to bed yourself, for, you know, I come here right from the church, and, of course, didn't fetch any long of me.' "'I think you will find all those conveniences laid out on your bed,' said Mrs. Force. "'All right. Good night, old oman,' and she kissed Mrs. Force to that lady's dismay. "'I'm sorry I had to make such a fuss in the church to-day, but I couldn't help it, and it is all for the best. Good night, old man.' "'Lord, why, I feel just as if I had knowed you all the days of my life, "'and you was my own kinfolks. So here goes.' "'And she stood on tiptoes and pulled down Mr. Force's black-whiskered face and kissed him. "'And he bore the punishment with much more fortitude than his wife had done. "'Then the frank, rude, handsome creature, in whom there was no wickedness at all, "'took up her wax taper again, laughed, nodded, and went out. "'Well, for a woman who has been robbed of her fortune and forsaken by her husband, she takes life quite cheerfully,' said Elfrida Force, with a touch of sarcasm in her manner. "'It is her healthy constitution and happy animal spirits that enables her to do so,' said Abel Force, apologetically. "'She is very ill-bred,' said Elfrida. "'That is her misfortune, not her fault, poor thing. But enough of her. How is our darling this evening?' "'Fast asleep,' with a regular normal pulse and respiration. Tomorrow she will be quite restored, I think. Heaven grant it, fervently exclaimed Abel Force. Then he touched the timber that was to summon Jake to close up fenders and put out lights. And then the husband and wife went upstairs together. When they reached the landing, they were startled by a loud rapping on the inside of Mrs. Anglesea's door. She wants something that has been forgotten, I suppose. "'Go on, Abel, and I will stop and see what she requires,' said Elfrida Force. And the gentleman passed on to his apartments, while the lady paused at their visitor's door. "'Say, hi, ole oman, you, I want you,' cried the guest from within, as the lady approached. "'Well, what is it?' inquired Elfrida Force. "'Is your old man outside?' "'No, he has gone to his room.' 
"'Then it's all right, and I can come out,' replied the woman, opening the door, and standing there in her ascension robes, while she held up at arm's length one of Elfrida's own fine cambric night-dresses, and exclaimed, "'Look here, I say. I can't get into this thing. Why, look at me and look at it. You might's well try to squeeze a pumpkin into a pint pot as me in it.' Mrs. Force saw and recognized the dilemma. The stout woman could not wear one of her night-robes, and if not one of hers, certainly not one of Miss Meek's, or of either the young girl's, all of which were smaller than her own. What was to be done now? The lady stood confounded for a moment, and then a bright thought struck her. "'I will find one to fit you and bring it,' she said. "'That's you,' exclaimed the woman. Elfrida Force turned away and went into her own room to get the wax taper which her husband had carried there. And then she went up into the garret and waked up old Aunt Lucy, who was even stouter than Mrs. Anglesia, and who had a treasure that was the pride of her heart, a small chest full of fine snow-white underclothing, that was laid up in lavender, and only taken out to be shown to acquaintances, but never worn. When Luce was roused out of her sleep to see her mistress standing over her, with a taper in her hand, she was frightened half out of her wits. She knew not what, but she instinctively gasped out, "'It's a habit they gibs derselves, nothin' tall but a habit they gibs derselves. "'Luce, wake up. I want you to do me a favor. "'Yes, mistis, it's a hab, but a wide gape cut off her proverb. "'Luce, I want you to be so kind as to lend Mrs. Anglesia one of your best new night-dresses,' said the lady. "'Yes, mistis, nightgowns. It's a hab. You,' with another yawn. It was full ten minutes before the lady could bring the half-sleeping woman to a consciousness of what was wanted. Then, indeed, Luce was all attention and alertness, proud to accommodate the visitor. She went to her chest and opened it, filling the room with the fragrance of sweet herbs, and she selected her finest gown, the one trimmed with torture lace, as she called it, meaning torsion, and she offered to take it herself down to the stranger. But Mrs. Force would not permit her to do that and with a gown over her arm she went downstairs and into the room of her guest. "'Now, then, this here is something like a gown,' said Mrs. Anglesia, admiringly. "'And, oh, sakes, don't it smell sweet!' "'Home! Ah!' she exclaimed, pressing the garment up to her face and strongly inhaling its fragrance. "'Good-night,' said the hostess, turning away. "'Good-night!' "'Home! Ah! How sweet it is!' "'And what a thorough animal you are!' thought the lady." as she left the happy creature delighting herself in the fragrance of lavender and amber. One more visit Mrs. Force made before she sought her own pillow. She went into Odalite's room and found her sleeping quietly, with little Elva in a warm wrapper lying in an easy-chair by her side. "'Why, my little darling, why are you not in bed?' inquired the lady. "'Oh, Mamma, because I thought I would sit here with Odalite until you should come, to see if she should want anything.' It was a kind thought, my tender little love. But now you may go to bed. Kiss me. God bless you, little tender heart. And so, with love and kisses and blessings, Elfrida Force dismissed her gentlest child to rest. Then she bent over Odalite, and saw that she was sleeping well and breathing easily. She took her hand, and found that her skin was cool and moist, and her pulse was regular. She kissed the sleeper on the brow, and then knelt and prayed for pardon of that long-past folly, as she prayed daily and nightly. She prayed for protection for those she loved from the machinations of the evil and the designing, and for guidance and help in her perplexities and sorrows. When she finished, she arose and left the chamber. Chapter 26 
the day after the wedding. Mrs. Anglesea was up with the sun the next morning. She replenished the smoldering fire from wood that she found in a box at the bottom of the closet. Then she threw open the front and side windows of her corner room, and looked out on the bright, crisp winter morning. The ground and the bare trees were glistening with white frost, and beyond and below stretched the blue waters of the bay, intensely blue now under the clear winter sky. "'It's a pretty place, but wee-woo, how cold!' she said, with a shudder, as she pulled down the sash of the last window and turned to the fire. She could hardly persuade herself to leave it, but fearing she might be late for breakfast, she at length arose, and made her toilet, hastily and carelessly, with a few splashes of water on her face and neck, and a hasty drying, interrupted in the middle, to press the lavender-scented white damask to her face, to inhale its fragrance. Then she ran a comb through the thick locks of her curly hair, which she finally bunched up into a big mass at the back of her head. At last she put on her clothes and left her room, noisily banging the door and closing it. There was no one in the upper hall. All the chamber doors leading from it were shut. I reckon they are all at breakfast, and the coffee will be stark cold when I get there. I wish they had waked me up, but I reckon they thought I was tired. I am never too tired to eat, she muttered to herself as she went downstairs. She hurried directly to the dining-room, where she found a fine, open fire burning, and Luce engaged in setting the table. "'Why, Lord,' said the visitor, "'ain't you had breakfast yet? I thought as I should be ever so late.' "'Dear me, ma'am, is it you? Why didn't you ring?' inquired in turn the surprised negro woman. "'Ring? What should I ring for?' demanded the visitor, drawing a chair before the blazing fire, seating herself, putting her feet upon the fender, and pulling up the edge of her skirt to toast her shins. Luce paused in her task of placing the knives and forks to look at the vandal. "'Why, ma'am, for somebody to come and wait on yer, and fix the fire, and fetch hot water, and that,' she said. "'Fiddle-dee-dee, wait on your granny,' said the stranger, holding her chubby hands over the fire, and rubbing them, with a sense of comfort. But Luce had finished placing the knives and forks, and was now bringing china from a corner buffet. "'What's that you have got in your hand there? Is it the sugar-pot?' asked the intruder. "'Yes, ma'am,' answered the perplexed woman. "'Hold it here to me.' Luce complied, and the visitor took the sugar-bowl, and poured from it a handful of white lumps, and returned it, saying, "'I reckon I'll champ this sugar to pass away the time while I'm waiting for him to come down.' "'Ain't you afeard it will take away your appetite for breakfast, ma'am?' inquired Luce. "'Take away my appetite? Ho, 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 that's a good un,' chuckled the guest, as she crunched the sugar in her strong white teeth. "'Don't yer think as yer'd be more comfortable in de parlor, ma'am? "'There's a splendid fire burning dare,' suggested Luce. "'No, I'm all right here. "'I feel just as snug as a bug in a rug. "'Don't mind, nigger. "'Go on and do your work.' "'Nigger! "'Luce had never been so insulted in all her life before. "'Yet she saw that the good-natured creature "'who was toasting herself before the fire "'did not mean to insult her. "'Say, I suppose you've heard all about me, haven't you?' "'inquired the latter. "'Ma'am?' questioned Luce, hardly knowing how to answer. "'I say, you know who I am, don't you?' "'Oh, yes, ma'am. You are Colonel Anglesea's lady,' promptly replied Luce. "'Colonel Anglesea's lady? What do you mean by that, nigger? I am Colonel Anglesea's wife, I'd have you to know. Now what did you mean by lady?' demanded the stranger, with spirit. "'I am sure, ma'am. I didn't mean no offence whatsomdever. I meant to be more respectful in saying lady,' soothingly replied Luce. 
"'Well, then, never do you call me a lady. Lady is too uncertain a word. I am that man's wife, not lady.' "'That's true, ma'am, and I'm sorry as I made a mistake,' said Luce, more humbly, because of a secret irony. "'I suppose you've heard all about that rumpus in the church.' "'Something of it, ma'am,' discreetly observed Luce. "'Only something of it? Well, then, I will tell you all about it. It will pass away the time while waiting for breakfast.' Luce, divided between her curiosity and her love of gossip on the one hand, and her conscientious sense of propriety on the other, made no direct reply. Mrs. Anglesia began at the beginning, and rehearsed all her wrongs, just as she had done to the family in the drawing-room on the previous evening. Luce went in and out between the kitchen and the dining-room, and to and fro between the sideboard, the buffet, and the table, with a, "'Scuse, ma'am,' every time she went out of hearing." "'How in the deuce can you attend to anything I am saying, if you keep jumping around so?' demanded the narrator. "'Excuse me, ma'am. I hears you're good enough, thank you, ma'am, and I has to finish setting de table,' pleaded the woman. "'But you make me fidgety, having to turn my head around every minute after you.' "'Weary sorry, ma'am, but de family will spec de breakfast to be ready for em. It's—it's it's a habit they gibs theirselves, ye see, ma'am,' pleaded Luce. And at that same moment Jake appeared, with a large waiter in his hands— on which were set the hot edibles to be arranged on the table. With the help of Luce, he put them all in place, and then took a big brass bell, and rang it with all his might close to the head of the guest. "'Lord bless us! I like music, but not that sort,' cried the latter, clapping her fat hands over the thick black curls that covered her ears. Mr. and Mrs. Force came in, followed by all the family, with the exception of Odalite, who was still in bed, and little Elva, who had volunteered to stay with her. "'Oh, you are here, Mrs. Anglesia. I did not know. I had just sent a servant to call you to breakfast. I hope you slept well,' said the hostess pleasantly. "'Splendid! Never turned in my bed all night. And how are you, and how is the young gale this morning?' inquired the visitor. "'We are all well, thank you. Will you take the seat nearest the fire?' "'Oh, anywhere's convenient. I don't care where I sit.' The other members of the family party greeted the visitor, and then seated themselves at the table. The visitor was valuable, as usual, praising everything she tasted, and eating heartily of every dish. When they all arose from the table, she shook the crumbs off her lap on the floor, turned to her hostess, and said, "'Now, old woman, if you've got any sewing to do, here's the hands that can do it. I ain't one to sit down and eat the bread of idleness, I tell you. So if you have got any stockings to darn or shirts to patch, or anything else to be done in the way of making or mending, just give it to me.' and I'll earn my keep, I tell you. Mrs. Force was so taken by surprise at this speech that she had to pause before replying. I thank you very much, but I should not like to trouble you. Trouble? Why, you precious ninny, it would be the greatest of pleasure to me. Ain't I making myself at home here, same as one of you? Go along with you, get me something to do. Many thanks, but I fear I cannot find anything to-day. I'll find something, Mamma. Wynnette exclaimed, coming to the rescue. Turning to Mrs. Anglesia, she said, "'Dear ma'am, wouldn't you like to come into the schoolroom with Miss Meek and me, and help us to tie up parcels for Christmas presents to the colored people?' "'Of course I will, if you want me to. But, Lord, that's no work.' "'Oh, yes, it is. There are more than twenty parcels, little and big, and all the stores are in large bundles, and we have got to divide them fairly, and tie them up, and write the names on them. It will take us all the morning.' "'All right. I will go long of you, and help with the dividing and tying up. 
"'I don't know about the names. "'I ain't very good at writing,' said the guest, "'allowing herself to be carried off by Wynnette. "'How in the name of the inscrutable "'could Anglesia ever have been tempted to marry such a woman? "'Was he drunk, I wonder?' whispered Abel Force to his wife. "'The lady shook her head. "'I have given it up,' she replied. "'Mrs. Force went upstairs to send little Elva down to her breakfast "'and to sit beside Odalite.' Mr. Force went into the little den at the back of the hall, where he kept his writing-desk and account-books, and held interviews with his overseer or his attorney. End of chapter 26